Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending May 21st, 2021. I'm Sophie Antelgibert, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Shay Shatria, Director of Investment Strategies. Shay, it's a pleasure to have you join me here today. Thank you for being here. Great to see you, Sophie. Terrific. I have been really looking forward to our conversation, not just because it's my first time I get to have this conversation with you recorded, um, but also because there's been a lot going on in the markets this week. Um, First off, we had Fed meeting minutes that were released that were anticipated to be a bit of a snoozer, turned out to be not quite such a snoozer. Um, Second, I'd love to get your thoughts also on we've been getting some inflation numbers coming out globally, what you're seeing there, what's catching your eye. And then lastly, Bitcoin has been all the rage recently in the news. I'd love to get your take on that. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. Terrific. Well, maybe starting with those Fed meeting minutes, right? These are the minutes from the meeting that was at the end of April. They were released this week. That meeting was expected to be a little bit of a sort of predictable outcome. Turns out that the meeting minutes revealed that they were a little, that meeting was a little bit more interesting than expected. Can you give us a little bit of the behind the scenes there? What, what, from your perspective with your economist hat on, what did those meeting minutes reveal to you? Yeah, indeed, Sophie. I think uh, the meeting minutes had a bit more spice than what the markets were uh, anticipating. And clearly that did cause a bit of uh, market turbulence. You know, there wasn't anything new that was expected to be revealed. But um, what did catch the markets off guard a bit was that some of the Fed officials um, in their deliberations uh, were open to the idea of making some adjustment to the Fed's uh, asset purchase program. Of course, we also uh, call it quantitative easing or QE. So any adjustment or in this case, tapering of asset of their asset purchase program would have been contingent upon sort of rapid and, and substantive progress towards achieving uh, the Fed's goal. And that is what really that language is really what caught the markets off guard because uh, the idea there being that well if the fed is perhaps thinking about tapering earlier than what is being priced in that also suggests that the you know financial conditions would become a little bit more tighter uh, sooner uh, than what the markets are currently anticipating and that's what actually caused a bit of market volatility um, the broader point sophie i would say is that the fed you know having these discussions is a, is it's 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 actually not a bad thing because it's a reflection that the recovery is strengthening, and that's what we all want, right? At the end of the day, uh, we want things to reco- we want the economy to recover, we want things to start to normalize, and therefore that's why they had uh, those types of deliberations. Awesome, that that really helps, and I, I like that perspective of. You know, it is a a little bit, it sounds like a little bit of a replay of that taper tantrum that we had a few years ago when the when the Fed initially started reducing or saying that they were going to reduce the quantitative easing. It sounds like we were reliving that a little bit. But at the same time, a reminder that this is actually what we wanted. This is actually good news because it means that the economy is improving. So we've just focused quite a lot on the U.S. Obviously, what's happening in the U.S., has an impact globally and what's happening globally has an impact on the U.S. I'm wondering if we could shift our attention, Shay, a little bit to we also got inflation numbers from other parts of the world. Japan released their inflation numbers. Canada, the U.K. all recently reported inflation numbers. What are those looking like? Are they telling a similar story as in the U.S. or are their circumstances pretty different at this point? 
Yeah, uh, so we did get three of the G7 uh, nations to release. And in some cases, Sophie, they are a little bit similar to what happened in the in the U.S. Uh, last week and in other cases, uh, not so much. So, you know, as I said, Canada, uh, UK and Japan. And I guess let's take sort of the outlier uh, out of the equation first. And that was Japan. The rate of uh, core inflation in, in Japan for the month of April, it was actually negative. It was down uh, 0.1%. But specific to this month, I think what was interesting was uh, there was one uh, data point that kind of stood out, and that was cell phone prices. So cell phone prices uh, declined by roughly 27%. And that really was what was contributing to the, to the big drop in Japanese inflation. Otherwise, it would have likely been uh, much higher than the negative 0.1%. So if we kind of take the Japanese um, story out of the picture and we kind of focus in on then uh, on Canada and the and the UK, let's start with Canada first. So Canadian inflation for the month of April uh, jumped to uh, 3.5% uh, uh, versus 2.2% uh, the prior month. So it was a you know, decent step up in the UK, uh, the inflation there accelerated to about one and a half percent, one point five percent in April versus zero point seven percent the prior month. There were certain similarities uh, amongst the two two regions in terms of what was contributing uh, to the higher inflation prices. So the big one, and this is something that we saw in the US last week as well, was energy. Um, and that's where, you know, there's a lot of discussions about um, base effects, right? Uh, prices today relative to a year ago. And you really see those base effects come through uh, when we measure uh, energy prices. So energy prices were much lower uh, a year ago, and they're considerably higher, have gone consider- considerably higher uh, since then. But then you're also starting to see some other uh, segments like um call it, you know, clothing or travel, leisure, uh, the areas that are more tied to the broader reopening uh, and the recovery um, are also starting to contribute to to higher uh, headline uh, prices. And we also have to keep in mind, you know, different regions will have, uh, will be at a different place in time as, as far as their recovery are concerned. So you'll see certain differences. I think uh, what was interesting is if you think about um Canadian inflation number, you know, a, a contributing factor to Canada is um, their sizzling housing market. So, you know, shelter prices have shot up and that's, con- you know, feeding into the broader uh, inflation uh, figures. And what's interesting is uh, the Bank of Canada this week in their financial system review actually uh, talked about um, they created a, a house price exuberance index to measure housing excess, which is, I thought, quite interesting, but gives you a sense in terms of the differing, you know, inflation dynamics and what's sort of going on under the hood in different regions. One thing that I know that a lot of people have been keeping an eye on um, and maybe even their wallets on recently and their investment accounts is Bitcoin. Um, We've seen some resurgence of interest and volatility in Bitcoin can you give us a quick 411 on what what's happening there? How should investors be thinking about that? You know, the roller coaster that is Bitcoin, right? It, it, it's been incredible to watch. You know, what we do need to kind of keep in mind is that this crypto, you know, Bitcoin crypto space more broadly, it is still new. Um, it is something that we're trying to get a better better handle of. Um, you know, we're still trying to determine, you know, what are uh, its price patterns? You know, how does it behave in different market environments, different macroeconomic environments, you know, inflationary environments? One thing that we do know, and it's sort of a more of a definitive, I guess, conclusion, at least at this point in time we can make is um, 
you know, this crypto space does come with an incredible amount of volatility. So for investors, you know, that's something that, you know, they have to have the stomach for. And maybe one last point I'll add to that is, um, so Matt uh, Randolph, our, uh, Randolph, our colleague, has actually put up a, a, a blog on the Russell Investments uh, website, which kind of digs a little bit deeper into uh, into crypto and just provides pretty uh, uh, good co- context uh, around this space. So if there are those that are interested, can kind of hop on to the Russell Investments uh, blog. Thank you. Sounds like it'll continue to be a volatile ride, at least for, for the foreseeable future. Well, Shade, that's all we have time for today. But thank you so much for your insights. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. We'll be back again soon. <laughs>